Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. This is part two. Hello. I think honestly, I just kind of wanted to make this two parts. Yeah. Um, there was you got to really get no... a two-parter on the book. The rest <laughs> yeah, of the really, podcast. There was really, <laughs> there was really no reason to do it, but we did it. Uh, this is now part two of the Oliver episode. Um, okay, so let let let's just get into the the meat of this. And when I say that, I mean I just thought of something. So before we get in the meat of this, I also want to take a step back. Okay, a little appetizer. (laughs) Here's a little appetizer. Um, I got to say, I was. It hit me again in this episode that my, I think the entire reason that I am obsessed with teen dramas is for this one moment, and and it's fleeting, and. But it happens sporadically throughout all great teen dramas. You'll find this moment in all great teen dramas. And it's that moment. So I'm referring to, again, burnt, like, as we, the, we'll, we'll just, if we were titling our episodes, this would just be, uh, this episode would be called Burning Through a Million Storylines in All One Episode. That that would be this Oliver episode. I like that title. Because they, they burn through so many, but... In this one, now what's going on with Luke, in addition to Luke being a good guy trying to prove that Oliver's a piece of shit and only being the real guy in the, the county of Orange, is that him and Julie, something's happening there with Marissa's mom. Something's brewing. And so this this is like my favorite, the reason why I'm obsessed with teen dramas is for this very moment, which is two people are hanging out and then all of a sudden little slow motion mm-hmm. the the good indie music yep. cut down on production costs yeah, oh yeah. kicks in mm-hmm. and it's just a look between a guy and a girl and then it's like oh my god is it on right now it is fucking on between these two yeah. like and to one i mean two people go from a mom and that mom's daughter's ex-boyfriend to fucking sexual partners yeah in, in, in a moment and oh we my god see it happen doesn't happen in real life like that but i wish it did yeah because like that's maybe why i love this show so much is just the impromptu sexual tension that can just happen between two individuals regardless of age right regardless of everything if this in life, was an indie some music would cue right now and there's a potential that you and i could lock eyes would and just it would, start and it would be on, hooking up on this podcast yeah who's to say it won't we're not ruling it out. We're not going to rule that out. We never would do that. We wouldn't do that to the listeners. But, yeah, it's insane that literally just Luke goes over there to get clothes for Marissa because he's in the throes of trying to prove that this guy is a psychopath and trying to kill, hey, Julie, this guy might be trying to kill your daughter. So <laughs> I'm going to go try and save her, and I'm going to pick up some clothes for you while she's essentially being abducted at the Four Seasons Hotel. Mm-hmm. And as they're in there and she's just like handing him her bag of clothes, all of a sudden, like, 
they embrace and then the music starts and it's clear immediately holy shit it's on it's fucking on it's fucking on and and I gotta say like there's so many shows like Friday Night Lights I can think of like with Tim Riggins and um Lila and Lila where there's so many moments where they just give one look to each other and then as an audience with the music combo slow motion and that look you're just like what was that Okay, go back there. Oh, fuck, hold on. What was that? So on between these two, these two are going to hook up? And I just love that. I literally, I could spend 37 minutes on how much, like, I'm obsessed with that. But that is, I think, the the crux of why I love all these shows. It's just for that very first moment of, like, oh, my God. These two are fucking, they're hooking up. Switch autopilot on. I know where this is headed. (laughs) Take me in. Alright, so, anyways, now to get to the meat of it, so... By the way, real quick, uh, I don't know if we will ever get to this episode, but further, when it's it goes, it's on with um, with Luke and Julie Cooper, and then at a certain point they fizzle it off for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because you're like, she's okay, 16 yeah. and she's 47. And uh, <laughs> I think the only thing they have in common is they both love Bob Seeker. Oh my god, so, yeah... <laughs> There is a, I cannot listen to the song Night Moves anymore without thinking of them making out. So we will not Which is, probably be doing that episode, but because there is a Luke Julie episode that we are going to hit, which is like where it all crescendos on those two. No spoiler alerts here. You'll just have to tune in. But um, I will say that their first ever hookup is to the song Night Moves by Bob Seger, and it is the most fucking intense shit of all time. That that hookup happens when he just like um I think it was it was the it was a party or something or it was some holiday. I can't remember exactly. And Julie was left at the house because Caleb was a piece of shit. She was kind of dating Caleb at the time. So she was left at their big mansion by herself. Luke just shows up might have been Valentine's Day, actually. Ooh, and Luke that just nice. shows up, and he's like, he. she comes to the door in, like, workout gear, because she's just hanging out. Mm-hmm. Essentially, like, like uh, yoga pants. Super, super hot look. And he just, like, shows up, and he's like, I didn't want you to be alone on Valentine's Day. And she, she's like, oh, Luke, come on, you know we can't do this. And he, and he just like still keeps standing there all hot 35 year old Luke and then she just goes she just chugs her wine chugs her glass of wine night moves starts playing yep. starts blasting yep. and then as viewers you're just like oh my god I mean the sexual tension has been crazy it's been building and building we just spent 5 minutes on how much we love that first moment of the tension building and then that song starts playing and they just start hooking up and Oh my god, it's hard to even talk about it without just getting twerked. Yeah, if we, if we can if we can we should put in uh, that song at the end of this episode. Yeah, we should. That probably won't I don't happen. Know. We probably won't do it, but yeah, we, we should. should. <laughs> we should do it. All right, so should we just now? We've been teasing this for a while. Let's just get into the this whole the the whole the whole reason that we're here. Let's for dig this into episode. that meat you talked about. Now what happens is. Marissa is she's decided that everyone's against her except Oliver because she is a 
fucking idiot. <laughs> so dumb. She's so dumb. We like, love her. We love her, but she's just dumb. Like we said. Undefensibly. Isn't it indefensible? Indefensible? I think so. Well, we make it's up. It's indefensible. Sorry. So, this entire episode, again, is brought to you by Wicklowware, because uh, all of it is Mariska <laughs> sucking. Um, and I'm glad to have them a sponsor on Marissa Sucking. And I think as we go on throughout this season, Wicklowware, W-I-C-K-L-O-W, Ware, could just be a sponsor of every minute of every second of this show because I'd say 99% of the rest of this first season is just Marissa sucking ass. Yeah. Anyways, so... But once again, by no fault of her own, we've realized yeah. that she's just an idiot. She's borderline, should be institutionalized. Probably. She shouldn't be wandering the streets. It's dangerous for everyone. I'm just curious how she hasn't just gone, how she's made it this far in life without just like literally, she's just driving on the highway one day. She doesn't understand like consequences for actions at all. And she just like stops the car Mm -hmm. on, on the middle of the highway, just gets out and just starts meandering through the lanes (laughs) and just gets murdered by a car. It's like, I, I feel for Ryan because throughout this whole thing, he's like trying to date her. And it's like, it's like literally trying to tame and wrangle some kind of a wild animal, like some wild creature that you find, like you find a feral cat and you're like trying to like get corral it and befriend it. And then it it likes you because you have some food. And then it bites you and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. It gets scared and runs away. And then yeah, it bites you and now you have rabies. Um, (laughs) (laughs) God damn, Mercy gave me rabies. He's clueless on on how to keep this person happy and that's all he wants to do. (laughs) pretty exciting to watch you're spot on because but well with that said you gotta you gotta have that because how are they gonna make a show if she's just a normal human being she needs a touch of mental handicap for you as an audience to keep being locked in so marissa essentially she goes to oliver's penthouse suite which is in the four seasons oliver's parents are really really rich they own all these hotel chains and I guess they're just always traveling, so he's just always by himself. So, it's also very clear, like, psychologically, he just has, like, abandonment issues, because he's, he's, he, the way he goes about seeking attention from, like, Marissa and all other human beings is just so backwards. He's in any attention is good attention. Yeah, and it's clear he just has, he just, he, what, he's, he's never had any personal contact growing up with human beings, his parents were never around, so... Marissa feels like everyone's abandoned her and she just goes and stays with Oliver for him this is like crack cocaine this is his ideal this is his dream this is his dream scenario he's got her in his lair his lair just so happens to be a Four Seasons penthouse suite she sleeps over and now he's like full on you're never leaving like he's full on sleeping with the enemy mode of hey um, let, he at one point he says we should just fly to Paris it's only 15 hours away yeah like Sounds cool. He wants to never go to school. He wants to disengage from society. Just live with Marissa Cooper forever. He's a psychopath. So then Marissa understands finally. She When she understands is that, and this is a great moment in the show, she goes down to the concierge and this is when we're all like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. Something is percolating right now. She goes down to the concierge to see if her clothes have arrived. What's the name tag say on the concierge? Natalie. Natalie. A bishop, the girl who Oliver's been saying is his fake girlfriend who lives in Niagara Falls. Full Netflix. credit to Marissa for putting this together, by the way. Yeah, because we're like, not. I don't know how she was able to do it with the brain cells that she's rubbing together. 
Incredible, incredible sleuth work by her. I mean, she, a real Sherlock Holmes we have here. So finally she puts it together like an idiot, 17 days after everyone else put it together. So then she goes up there and she's like, what's up? Concierge girl's name is Natalie. Yeah, so I loved this too. It was like a really passive aggressive way of saying it. <laughs> she's like, she's like, hey, the funniest thing happened. The concierge at the hotel, her name was Natalie Bishop. What's up with that? Isn't uh, isn't that the same name as your girlfriend? Instead of just being like, listen, what is going on here? When Marissa thinks, you can physically see the wheels turning in her head. Like, you can <laughs> physically see it. It's like, you know how they have those watches where you can see in to see all the gears turning <laughs> yeah. and stuff? That's how I feel when I look at Marissa, is you can see the insides of her brain. It's like full-on gears in a clock, like in a watch, like trying to turn. And There's like smoke coming time. out of her ears. So Marissa's got smoke coming out of her ears. She re- she finally puts two and two together. And now it's like, oh shit. Oliver goes into Emmy award-winning mode as an actor and just starts like slapping his head. And he's like, like he just starts like hitting himself in the head. And it's like, oh my God, this guy is psychotic. He's like, oh, I'm so stupid. And he's like smacking himself in his head. So he leaves. She calms him down. And she's like, why don't you just go shower, calm down. You know, as viewers, you're like, oh, shit. We've now reached a dire situation. He leaves her a second. Marissa picks up her flip phone, calls Ryan, says, I need help. You need to come get me. This guy is crazy. If you're Ryan now and you get that call when you've been suspended from school you've lost all of your friends you've lost your girlfriend you've lost your family everyone thinks you're fit for a straitjacket <laughs> when you get that call what's the percent mixed emotions I'd say half vindication probably 75% yeah, sweet say, sweet vindication yeah. I guess maybe 25% worried I'd even I'd even maybe go a ninety ten split. Ninety ten? Yeah. Of ninety percent I I just wanna yell to the rafters. Fuck all of you. I, I told you I was fucking right. I have no idea how he bottles up his I told you so in this moment. It's the most insane I told you so of all time. So Marissa calls him, she's essentially about to be murdered, and ninety percent of him is just I told you so. Everyone else can go fuck themselves now. Oliver, when she's on the phone, comes out of the bathroom. He just has a gun now. Naturally. (laughs) Obviously, he has a gun. A lot of guns in the OC. What's the gun count at? A lot of white-collar rich people just with guns. Yeah, I feel like we're at at least 12 guns have been presented and aimed at somebody. He comes out with a gun, and now now we're both sitting there, even watching this for the 17th time, and we're like, oh my god, oh my god. Like, it's palpable. Mm-hmm. It is, it is, again, it's so, it's so suspenseful. It's, it's just, god damn. He comes out with a gun, he just starts waving it around, and it's clear this guy is a psychopath. So then, cool moment by Sandy. Such a cool moment. How'd that go down? Good, good. Great Sandy episode, by the way. Yeah. He really stepped up for his son being shitty in this one. Yeah, so Ryan gets the call, and uh, he grabs the car keys, and he's like about to, to peace out, but he has to cut, cut through the kitchen where he runs into Sandy, and Sandy's like, whoa, you're grounded, Bester. You're not going anywhere. 
Ryan goes, I got a call from Marissa. She's in trouble. I got to go get her. And Sandy goes, give me the keys. And you're like, give fuck you, Sandy. What the hell? He's got he's got to figure this out. Yeah, come Look, on, Sandy. Ladies. Back off, man. And uh, Ryan's like looking at him. Sandy gives another, give me the keys. And you're like, wrong time. Like, what? what's going on? No time to be a dad here, Total Sandy. Total switcheroo. Ryan goes, hands him the keys, flip-flop. Sandy looks at him and goes, I'll drive you. And you're like, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, let's ride. Let's do so, it. So, cool move on his part. I don't know how he had the wherewithal to pull that little switcheroo move instead of just being ready to go. So they lost a couple precious seconds there. <laughs> but it was yeah. well worth it. Precious moments click. Um, in real life, Marissa has been shot dead 17 minutes prior. <laughs> but, um, so anyways, they drive there. Yeah, and then then they get there. They see Natalie Bishop, the concierge. They say, "Hey, um, this girl's in trouble with this guy named Oliver." She's like, "What? This guy Oliver? I've known him since he was a kid. Like, oh, what are you talking about?" Natalie, this whole thing's her fault. She did a shitty job raising. Him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bad job by the uh, concierge at the Four Seasons on raising this child by herself. They get up there. And this is where we see that there's just Secret Service security guards with them. Mm-hmm. Like, they're the guys with the, like, earpieces in and uh, just wearing full suits at this Four Seasons. So, like, I guess some intense security there at the uh, yeah local Newport Beach Four Seasons Hotel. Yeah, they basically, what hotel crime. has at least three or four guys on staff with guns authorized to shoot on command? On site. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. So then they go up there. But thank God they're there. And it's so now it's it's Ryan Sandman, uh, Natalie, who's got to let him in, and then these two security guards in the background, these Secret Service agents, and they're like Natalie, or they're like uh, Oliver, can we come in? It's Natalie, and he's like, I'm good, I'm good, all good in here, and then they're they're thinking they're about to have to leave, and then Marissa yells, Oh my God, he's got a gun! So then the security guard. By the, the way, bad strategic move on her part. Yeah. Just, like, wait until things cool down and then run away. Yeah, so then he's like, what are you doing? And you think he's going to kill her again. And then the Secret Service guys come in. They just bolt, they, they push down the door or whatever, and then they're like, put your hands up. They, they draw their guns, and they, like, get, and then, so the funniest part of this was they then go in, and it's like the trained Secret Service professionals will be doing no negotiating here with this terrorist. It's essentially... It's just falling on the 16-year-old Ryan Atwood to do all the negotiating. <laughs> so so the Secret Service guys are just hired guns. Yeah. They just have their guns pointed at Oliver, this crazy, psychopath 16-year-old. They're not saying anything. Ryan comes in and just keeps going like, Oliver, put the gun down, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. Put the hey, gun down, come man. on. She's the only one that cares about you, man. And then, and then Oliver's like, you don't understand, man. They just keep saying man a lot. And then... Um, we were saying in them a lot of passive aggressive moves by Ryan where he's like oh, yeah. he's just like shitting on Marissa yeah. like get, Oliver yeah I think he does he gets his uh, I told you says out in his negotiation yeah. which he's is, just which like is awesome hey Oliver I get it man I get it no one believes you your back's against the wall 
Yeah. Everyone thinks you're a piece of shit. Your girlfriend, Marissa Cooper, betrayed you. <laughs> and he's just like, he's like listing out all this shit that's just happened to him. Yeah, I get it, man. When somebody does something really terrible to you and makes you and super mad and nobody believes you and she's actually standing right there, man. <laughs> she's a girlfriend. Her, her initials are MC. And, you know, she's really tall brunette from Newport. And she's done believe you and stuff, man. Put the gun down. Come on, I Get it. it sucks. <laughs> really good, uh, like dual purpose negotiation <laughs> tactic there. So finally, he puts the gun down, and the last thing we'll say because I know you got to run is it's diffused. Ryan diffused it. He now we realize just he's, like he's trained to do. Yeah, just like he's been all of his training has, has led him to this moment of negotiating with terrorism, and he he diffuses the situation. Oliver puts the gun down. We all as viewers br- breathe a sigh of relief. And then Marissa goes immediately and hugs Ryan and cries like she always does. And Ryan hugs her back. And, you know, I was thinking, I would never take this chick back. I'd never take her back. My mode would have been 100%. I am not fucking crazy here, everyone. And I've lost everything. I've lost this, my family, my friends, my girlfriend. I've lost everything. And now... All I want to do is prove myself innocent and correct on this and that everyone else is crazy and I'm not. And as soon as I prove that, I just go, I'm out of here. I'm out now. I have zero sexual attraction to you now. I would head back to Chino. I just, could you have any sexual attraction to her after that? No, and I don't think they do. I think there's like many, many episodes where she's like trying to like come back on him really hard. Yeah. And he's just having none of it. She's just trying to hook up with him, make out with him and stuff, and he's always just like... like, Grossed out. Yeah, I'm like, no. (laughs) Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Like, you didn't believe me, and you just broke up with me and everyone else. So the the last thing I'll say is that Seth, uh, to what we were saying earlier, also did the same thing. He, He didn't believe Ryan either. No one believed him. And Seth, it was just like, dude, why? Why? Why were you so quick to just take this crazy dude's side from out of town? This is your brother. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan should be giving not only Marissa, so he should be giving everybody just such a guilt trip and such an I told you so. And It just upsets me because, yeah, he's a real good dude, we, I guess, because we, we, you, he could be – this is his right. He could be, be raking so in social this. capital with everybody that he knows, but he just chooses not to. He's a good guy. All right. This was an intense one, and – it's yeah. probably one of the Sweating. most intense episodes that I've still ever seen to date in my life of a TV show. Like this Oliver episode. I just, I don't, I, I don't want to not state how intense it still is when you watch it. It's, it's intense. <laughs> All right. Pat's got to go. He's got a family dinner to get to. Hard out. That He's got a hard out. So that was part two. Check us out on part one. We'll be back next time where we dive back in. To check out more Vicarious Living episodes, follow us on SoundCloud at Vicarious Living. You'll know you found us when you find a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there. He's just not pictured. Steven and Elsie, both there. Just not pictured. <laughs>